Well, praise the Lord and welcome to Cross Time with Pastor Curtis on a beautiful Friday morning here in Queen City, Texas, the first day of February 2019. We are about to uh, move into chapter 6 of Galatians. Uh, uh, we've been teaching Galatians since November of 17, so uh, we're a little over a year and uh, we've got one more chapter to go. Looking forward to it. Glad you tune in with us when you do. If not, here live on my Pastor Curtis Facebook page, then on the YouTube channel at Curtis Hutchinson 316 or the website thecrosswaychurch.com. And uh, we uploaded yesterday a new podcast uh, called The Romans Teaching. Just get on podcast and type in Curtis Hutchinson. And there's like four of our channels on four different podcasts. Our church one, our This Friday Morning Galatians Teaching, and then The Romans Teaching. And for those who have ears to hear, and on that iPod... Uh, podcast rather alone is over 200 messages. So I encourage you to avail yourself to those things and and uh, don't forget to keep praying for our church plant that we have going on in Wichita Falls, Texas. Next weekend we will be there Friday night at 7. Pastor Tommy Wiedelman from Tuttle, Oklahoma will be there ministering the word that Friday night and I'll be teaching from 10 to lunch the next day. It's the second weekend every month there at the Hampton Inn, 4217 Kemp Boulevard. And so, and also don't forget to be praying about our Bibles to Inmates program. I got five letters yesterday at one time in one day and that's already we have a stack of envelopes uh, that high, we mail six expositor study Bibles every week to inmates across the land. Takes $33 a Bible, so I encourage you, I beseech you, as the Apostle Paul would say, to help us with that. $33 will put a Bible, an expositor study Bible, into the hands of an inmate. They're requesting these Bibles by name, so let's help them uh, get the Bibles into their hands. We know it's the Lord's will, and uh, we just thank the Lord for that opportunity. We have so many people in our church, uh, and I'm sure everywhere, that are sick and under attack with disease, with infirmity, uh, with uh, relationships, uh, and all sort of things. And before we get into our teaching this morning, uh, we just want to uh, uh, ask the Lord to intervene and to help and to bless, to deliver, to heal, to recover that which the enemy has brought uh, much attack against. All right, let's pray this morning. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be here, to have your word before us, and to be able to study your word, to hear from you, and to walk in the path of righteousness, Lord. We thank you for the victory that Jesus afforded us, and not only us, but even those that, Lord, are under attack by the enemy today, Lord, through some physical infirmity, mental infirmity, relationship, whatever it is, Lord, there are many weapons of the enemy. And Lord, I thank you that you've promised not one weapon of the enemy shall prosper, but you sent your word to prosper. And Lord, we ask you today for the miracles needed for each and every person, Lord God, who is under attack. We pray for their deliverance. We pray for their miracle. We ask you to reveal the mighty power of your son, Jesus Christ, and what he did at Calvary. God, God, to show up with signs and wonders in the lives of these people, to bring forth the power of the cross that you've given us to preach, 
that you've given us to believe. And I know it's because you want us to also look for the rain, to look for the power and the results of this, what you've given us to preach. So we ask for these things today. In the name of Jesus, amen. And amen. Praise God. We're just glad to be here in the studio. And if you're anywhere near Atlanta, Queen City, Texarkana, uh, I encourage you to join us. We have a lady here that drives from Shreveport every Friday morning, uh, every Sunday morning to be in church with us. So you know what that means? You have no excuse. And so... Uh, we're thankful to be here with God's Word again, and, and uh, we're going to dig right into the Word this morning. God has said a lot of things to us. He's been very faithful to us to show us many things in the Word in this great over a year long teaching of Galatians and I know you've been blessed, I've been blessed and we have actually learned several things. And I don't mean heard for the first time. That's not learning. Learning is when we hear and then we trust God with the knowledge He's given us to allow Him to work into our hearts. That's called grace. Remember, we're to be growing in the knowledge that comes from the Lord's Word and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. That means He informs us. He, he gives us knowledge. And as we trust Him through faith in the cross, He, he works that that knowledge He's offering us into our hearts, that's called growing in the knowledge and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we have actually learned several things in this little over a year long teaching and God's not done with us in this great letter. And there's a whole lot more that could be taught than what we've taught. And uh, because God's Word is it's eternal. You can never get it all. But thank, we're thanking God this morning for what we do have and we're asking Him for more today. So Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, as we dive into this sixth chapter, Paul says this to the church there in Galatia. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Now I got news for you this morning. That one verse right there can teach for three months. Because the first thing you'll notice is he, he calls them brethren. Paul's always trying to encourage uh, the church, even this church that's under attack, the reason the Lord had him write this letter. And we always need to remind ourselves of what this letter really overall is about it's, and who it's to. It's to a church that's under attack by the Judaizers who are uh, the enemy, the devil, through the Judaizers. Those who are all focused on the law are trying to pull this church back to a place under the law. And, you know, let me say something about that. You are under grace as a child of God in your position at the right hand of God. But you can live in an experiential way as though you're still under law even though you're not in Christ. But it's abiding in Christ, continuing, remaining in Him, walking in Him the way you received Him, which is faith in His sacrifice, that gets you the experience. The experience. So outside of faith in the cross, uh, you, you really have faith in something else and there's only grace and law. 
There's only two choices. So they're under attack. God the Holy Ghost through Paul writes a letter and even though he's writing to a church that's being hammered and people are falling out left and right, uh, going back with the Judaizers under law, a place God can't work, and, and which is plainly seen in this letter, uh, he still calls them brothers because let me, let me tell you something today, folks. I know those of us who God has brought back to true faith and grace, true righteousness and holiness, faith in the cross, uh, and there is nothing else that our faith should be in as Christians, even though 99.9% .9 of all the church is out of the faith, they're still our brothers and sisters. If they're saved, I mean, I was there, we were there, we were outside the faith, we were back living as though we were under law again in a state of ignorance, and they are as well. And, but we still love them, we still try to help them, we still pray for them. And if, if we're available and subject to the Holy Spirit, He will use us to help those kind of people. Because it's not just Jack Daniels and Marlboro Lights and Bud Dummer and, and all these things that are out there. If a brother is overtaken in a fault, and that means he's been, he's been caught up by sin. Sin has overtaken him. And, it's, and it could be those things I mentioned, but listen, it could also be having moved our faith from the cross to anything else because that is a fault in the eyes of God. That, if, if your faith is not in the cross, you can't edify your brother. Oh, you can in the natural. You can pat him on the back, buy him lunch, and lost people can do that. But the edification that comes from God only comes by the Holy Spirit who only works within the confines of faith in the cross, the truth. Psalms 33 and 4 and Romans 8 2. So, first of all, he calls them brothers. I'm still your brother. And if a man be overtaken in a fault, that means sin has caught up with him. Sin has grabbed a hold of him. He's, he's apparently begun to move away from a, 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 a steady focus of the cross. Uh, and let me say something about that this morning because the Lord's trying to show me some things about the good fight of faith and faith in general. <coughs> Excuse me, that our fight as a Christian is to keep the object of our faith right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's not a fight to keep faith. A fight to keep, a, the good fight of faith is me fighting to keep my faith in the cross. Recently, I've dealt with two uh, uh, Christians who, who uh, uh, are trying to talk to me about the, the, their past. That's all they want to talk about is their past and this horrible thing that happened to them. A guy called me, and he called me months ago and gave me the same spiel. And yesterday, I, in love, I told him, Brother, you're calling me and you're still telling me and talking to me about some bad experience you had. You need to be talking about Jesus. You don't, and I'm sure this is a guy and he doesn't even know it because he's living in ignorance and that's not stupidity, that's just ignorance, that's I don't know. But I'm sure every person he comes in contact that's a Christian, he talks about his bad experience. Listen, you need to let go of your bad experience and grab a hold of the good experience God gave you and that's faith in what Christ did for you at Calvary. 
And, and listen, I heard Brother Lauren Larson say it months ago, and I'd never thought of this, but your faith is either in your experience, your situation, or it's in Christ and what He did at Calvary. Folks who go around saying, I just can't make it, I just, I'm not going to be able to handle this, their faith is in their experience. Because when it's in the cross, then the Holy Spirit will tell them, you can make it through this. I will guide you through this. I will strengthen you through this. Because as a child of God, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. But if that's not what we're hearing, then we're not looking at Calvary. We're looking at our circumstance. And it's a guarantee fact, a promise of God that if you'll look to the one who endured such contradiction and opposition of sinners then you won't grow weary and faint in your mind. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 3 you won't grow weary and faint in your mind while you're looking and considering Jesus and what he did for you. There is absolutely no such thing it does not exist. It's an impossibility to faint and throw in the towel and quit as long as you're looking at Christ and what He did at Calvary. Because there the Holy Spirit will strengthen you, lead you, empower you. We only quit when we stop looking at Calvary. When we look at Jesus and what He did at the cross, we see the spirit of I ain't quitting, I'm enduring. Hallelujah. Nobody quits. Nobody throws the towel in. Nobody goes out and is ugly to somebody. Nobody does a big piece of stupid while they're considering the cross. Now the point I'm trying to make initially this morning is our fight is to keep our eyes on Christ and what He accomplished. The object of our faith. No matter what they say, what they do, what I've done, what I've said, no matter what the situation is, if I will choose, and I'm a human being, I can choose right now to believe or not believe. A lost person can choose to believe in Christ. A, a Christian can choose right now to let a, everything go by grabbing a hold of that which is true. You could choose right now, even though you're in a mess, you are in a mess that it is a super duper mess and you can't see any way out of it in the natural. If you'll look to Christ and what He did at Calvary, that which appeared to be no way out, that which appeared to be defeat, that which appeared to be the end, which was really our way in, our beginning and our victory. Listen, if you'll look to the cross, the Holy Spirit will bless you with strength and give you wisdom and will break forth you out of that mess. It may not all happen today, but it will happen. People who quit going to church, get out of the Word, they're in the flesh. They're not looking to Calvary. Well, they hurt my feelings. Well, I'm tired of this. I'm tired of that. That only happens in the flesh. If you'll look to Calvary, you can keep loving everybody. Amen. It's the object of your faith you're fighting to hold to. Because the object of your faith today could easily move from the cross to that circumstance in your life. Easily. And that's the enemy's plan. If he can get you to stop looking at Calvary, and I'm not talking about closing your eyes and picturing a bloody corpse hanging on a tree. I'm talking about what was provided you there in the humble, obedient act of one man, Jesus Christ, and what he did to please the Father. Through that pleasing, that faith that pleased the Father, you have 
access to walk in a place that pleases God and to experience God. And outside of that faith and that grace, you're outside looking in. Amen. So, brethren, if a man be over which are spiritual. Now, now let's stop right there. And instead of just jumping into a Bible verse today, let's think about what Paul has been saying so we can understand what he is saying. You can't just get up on a Friday morning and, or any morning and go in there to a Bible study and like you're starting all over again today with a new verse. No, when you're studying the Word, you've got to back up and grab what brought you to where you are and look forward to see where you're going with what you've got right now. And when Paul says, you which are spiritual, if you'll just look back to chapter 5, he tells us who the spiritual ones are. Those who are being led by the Spirit, they're not under the law. Those who are being led by the Spirit are walking after the Spirit and the lust of the flesh is not being fulfilled. And it's because they have their faith in Christ and Him crucified because there we were crucified with Him and the lust and the affections of the flesh were there defeated. Now do you see that? You can't just uh, you know, read the Bible and wake up on a day and get into chapter 6 and say, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. If you ask yourself, well, who are the spiritual? You miss chapter 5. If you, if you say, well, who are the spiritual ones in the church today? Then you didn't understand chapter 5. It's not that you didn't read it. It's not that you didn't have somebody try to orate it to you, but that you missed the meaning. In the church, within the church, he's talking to brethren here. If, 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 if a man, if one of your brothers, if one of your sisters be overtaken in a fault, he's caught up in sin, that means he's got his eyes off the sacrifice. And the only way that anybody that's spiritual, which are those who are being led by the Spirit, not under law, at least at the moment, and they're, and they're walking after this in the Spirit, not fulfilling the lust of the flesh, at least at the moment, and it's because their faith is in what Christ accomplished at Calvary where those lusts, the affections of those lusts, were crucified. And that's the only way that a spiritual brother can restore one who's been taken in a fault, a sin. Because the answer for all sin is not a pat on the back. It's not a, hey, call me if you get in trouble. We'll talk our way into it and we'll reminisce over how we used to do this in church and uh, the, the roots of our denomination or uh, you know all this stuff. No, we'll, we'll help each other to look at Calvary and how powerful God showed himself to be in Christ and what he accomplished for us there where all the faults were defeated there. All the sin was defeated there. All the lust and its affections were defeated there. My point right now in saying this is if we're overtaken in a fault, if someone is overtaken in a fault, the only ones that are going to help them are the spiritual ones. And in the church, everybody is not walking as a spiritual child of God. In the church, everybody's not full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom in which the, Acts, the book of Acts defines what that is. Don't want to get into all that. But in the early church, the deacons, people called upon, chosen to be those who waited on the people, took care of the people. All this pastor stuff, making hospital calls, which I do, and, and ministering to this and doing that, and all the things that pastors today are paid 
to do by congregations. It's not the pastor's job. You start talking like this though, and boy, they'll send you out of town on a rail because that ain't what we want. We want somebody we can pay and hold responsible to do what we want him to do. But even in the early church... Uh, the deacons had to be full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom. Everybody in the church is not full of the Holy Ghost and, and, and wisdom. And, uh, and, and, and not everybody in the church is walking as spiritual children of God. And they can be. They can be. It's proven in this one verse. If we have a desire to see people restored instead of a, a fleshly lust of our own to talk about them instead of helping them. And we're bad about that. We're bad. I said we are bad about that to put them down in, all in the name of praying for them, all in the name of whatever. Listen, we're called to restore folk. We're called to restore folk. Well, you got to know how to restore folks and only those who are spiritual. Let me say something to you today. And this is very... Blunt, it's very narrow, but that's just the way it is according to the Word. Anybody whose faith is not in the cross of Christ alone cannot restore anybody to anything with God. You can't use the purpose driven. You can't use the promise keepers. You can't use uh, 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 anything except the message of the cross, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because the Bible says in Psalms 23 and 3, He restores my soul, and leads me in the path of righteousness. And I, and I have to throw this in as I love to do it. If I'm being led by the Spirit, that means I'm walking in the Spirit. That means my faith is in the cross and now I'm walking in a place where the lust of the flesh, it's not that they're not there, but they're not able to be fulfilled in my life. And then and only then, and it's because my faith is in the cross, can I help restore, attempt to restore people by pointing them to the truth that restores on this path of righteousness. All God's words are in righteousness. I know I've said it. I'm going to keep saying it. And someday some folk are going to really start getting it somehow. And I praise God for that. You've got to accept the truth. All God's words are in righteousness. And God's righteousness is only revealed in the gospel. Romans 1, 16 and 17. And th from from faith to faith. That means faith that comes by hearing the gospel to faith that comes by hearing God's word in its gospel context because only through the gospel can you see and receive and understand righteousness and all God's words are in righteousness, Proverbs 8 and 8. If you'll get that, God will do great things in your life and you'll be able to walk in a place where God can use you to restore people who are caught up in a fault. There are ministries right now being used by God to restore millions across the world right now. Like us who were out in a fault and didn't even know it. We were running hard to serve God, learning Scripture. Let me say, uh, I'm not learning, but we were memorizing Scripture and, and we were using Scripture for also, and we wanted to serve God. We wanted to love God. We wanted to be used by God. And, and ministries was birthed and, and radio and TV and we began to hear the truth and we were convicted of our fault we didn't even know we had. Right, right. 
Let me say it again. Fault is not just going after women or men or money or booze or gambling or, or pornography. A fault is being in a place where my faith is not in the sacrifice of Christ, but now it's in the government of 12, the words I speak, the, 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 the purpose driven, the promise keepers, the, the celebrate recovery, the anything other than Christ and His sacrifice. I'm walking in a place God calls fault. And all that can be produced, even if I have a form of godliness in the eyes of God, all that can be produced in His eyes is unrighteousness and ungodliness. Again, it doesn't mean I've gone back to clubbing and, and barring and gambling. I'm talking about the way God sees things. Not how We're pleasing to our community now. What about pleasing to God because He's only pleased with faith and that's the faith of Jesus Christ. So... You which are spiritual. I hope we covered that good enough this morning. I hope you're getting a little bit of greater illumination in the Word here of what it means to be spiritual. doesn't mean you're going to church every week. doesn't mean you can quote Bible uh, Scripture at the drop of a hat. Now we've been deceived. The whole church has been deceived for hundreds of years and we hear somebody in Walmart quoting Scripture we're like, oh, I wish I could do that. Or we hear some preacher get in the pulpit and he can roll for three hours Scripture after Scripture but he's not pointing to Calvary. He ain't spiritual. He can just memorize and quote the Bible. Spiritual people, it's defined here. I've said it the last couple weeks. God is going to use the book of Galatians mightily in these last days, this book and the book of Romans, to bring his people back to a functioning place where he can say about the church today what he said about Noah. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord not the eyes of the people. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. That was because he was a man of sacrifice. First thing he did when he got off the big boat, he built an altar, a sacrifice. That's all God's looking for today. Who will have their faith in the sacrifice? Those God blesses, God strengthens, God uses, God does many great exploits through those people. Everybody else that's outside of that faith, believing in something else, they're in a fault. And it's up to us to handle being told they're wrong. Well, who are you? You know, aren't you glad that when Nathan showed up to correct David for having sin in his life, aren't you glad that David didn't say, well, who are you, Nathan? You're you a sinner just like me. You can tell who the spiritual people are because when they're confronted with a fault, they're going to repent. And they're going to go after God in this, this, this place of restoration, which is the path of righteousness that comes by hearing God's Word in its righteous context, which is the cross of Christ, the gospel. So I hope we're doing all right this morning because it's only those who are spiritual, and again, it's not those who go to church every week, who teach the Sunday school classes, who, who've been a deacon for 20, 30, 40 years. The spiritual people in God's eyes, again, in God's eyes, or according to the Word, learning how to be led of the Spirit, then the Bible says in the in fifth, fifth chapter, those that are led of the Spirit are not under the law. That means they've learned it's not about what they do, but about what Christ did. They're led by the Spirit. If you're led by the Spirit, you're walking in the Spirit. And if you look, and if you look at verse 25 of chapter 5, it says, 
Since we live in the Spirit, let us walk in the Spirit. The spiritual people are those who've learned, not heard, but learned from the heart and believed that the only way to experience life, the life of Christ, is to walk in the Spirit. Outside of that, we're walking in the flesh. We're walking in the Spirit through faith in the cross of Christ today, not because we had faith 30 years ago, because our faith is in that, in that alone today. We're spiritual people, not better than anybody, but we're walking in a place where God can work in and through us to help restore people back to the faith. All right. All right. Man, this is good this morning. Restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? Now, I'd like to turn over, if we could, uh, to 2 Timothy. I I love sharing this, and I've shared it with you. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Let's look at the, the end of chapter 2, starting in verse 24. Now, watch this. We're talking about the servant of the Lord here. Now, we're talking about spiritual. Not everybody's serving God. Now, now I've got to throw this in this morning. As you study and you allow the Holy Spirit to teach you, you will see taught very plainly and clearly, easy enough for a five-year-old to get it. And Romans chapter 6 tells us we can't serve God unless we're serving righteousness. And we can't serve righteousness unless our belief is in, our faith is in that which made us a servant of righteousness. And that is the form of doctrine that freed us from sin. The message of the cross. The gospel. We heard the word in its righteous context which pointed us to Calvary. We believed in Christ and what He did at Calvary. We were made free from sin and we became immediately servants of righteousness. So I had to say that you can't serve God unless you're serving righteousness. And you can't serve righteousness unless your faith is in that which made you a servant of righteousness, the work of Christ and His sacrifice. It's impossible. can't happen. Anybody disagrees with it, can't prove it otherwise in the Bible. They can just get mad in the flesh and run out of the house and say, well, that ain't what I believe. Well, you don't believe anything. That's scriptural if you disagree with that because I've got a Bible. I can help you if you disagree by showing you what I just said. So watch this, verse 24, 2 Timothy chapter 2. And the servant of the Lord. Now remember what I just said. You ain't serving God if your faith ain't in the cross. You can't. You can't. You can go out and do good deeds and call it a move of God. You can get up and preach till you sweat, and I mean fall out and call it a move of God. But if you're not using God's word to point to Christ in His sacrificial work at Calvary, then it's not in its righteous context, and you're not serving God. And I know that's a horrible thing to have to hear after 40 years of ministry. And it's only those who will humble themselves and and come back to the place God does give true grace, and God does open up the covenant to those who will fear him and not fear their congregation. Mm. And the servant of the Lord must not strive. That word strive means quarrel. But be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, which means able to teach. There we are again, able. What makes you able to teach? Not that you can get up and talk in front of people. 
God, you're, you're only able to teach if you're enabled by the Holy Spirit to teach that which is good. And there's nothing that is good outside of the Word in its proper righteous context which speaks of Christ and what He did at Calvary. So you, 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 you're to be gentle unto all men and ready, able to teach, patient in meekness. Do you see that? Because what we're studying here in chapter 1 of Galatians, I'm sorry, chapter 6 of Galatians says, verse 1, that we're to restore these folks who've been taken up in a fault, overtaken in a fault, the Bible says, in the spirit of meekness. That means humility and gentleness. Meekness always means humility and gentle, coupled together. Humili- true humility is going to be gentle. It's going to be gentle. In meekness, instructing those, watch this, that oppose themselves. If God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. So that tells us what we're teaching as we are being used by God to restore those back to a functioning and healthy and a victorious place who've been overtaken in a fault. They've been overtaken, which means they've been taken out of the way of believing that which is right. Because if you keep focused on that which is right, you will be attacked, you will be hit, but you will not... Listen, being overtaken in a fault is experiencing the fulfillment of lusts. And the Bible says that won't happen if we're walking in the Spirit. The lust of the flesh will always be there for all people who are breathing right now. But the promise is that the lust of the flesh won't have a place in us that overtakes us. It won't be fulfilled if we're walking in the Spirit. Which means our faith and our focus is in what Christ did at Calvary where the victory comes from. I hope you're understanding this today a little bit. That God wants to bring these people, He wants to offer them repentance, a a place of deliverance. From who? From themselves. They've been opposing themselves. When, When we turn from the cross, get this this morning, when we turn from faith into cross to anything else that even sounds good, like God could use this to, to, to help me along the way. God could use this to strengthen me. God could use, it's a golden calf. And in anything other than faith in the cross, hear me today, we're opposing ourselves. When we oppose God, and we do, if our faith is not in Christ and His sacrifice, we're not only opposing the plan of God, the the way of God, the will of God, we're opposing ourselves. Look, it's in your Bible. That they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by Him at His will. The devil has a will. His will is to overtake you in a fault and to keep walking you in that fall to the place of destruction. And without faith in the cross, in that very work of Christ, that one righteous work of Christ that took the power of death away from Him, without faith there, He he has the right to take you into a place where He can steal from you, kill you, and bring destruction into your life. And for you and I to be the avenue of all of that into other people's lives. For if I realize I've been overtaken in a fault and I won't turn to Calvary, then from that point on, 
the, the destruction, the corruption that's taking place in my life is also the enemy's using my corruption and my destruction that he's able to do in his will for my life to affect many, many others. It's not just about you. We affect many people. Imagine this. If the Lord, um, not the Lord, but if the enemy were to, were to, if I were to take my eyes off the cross and the enemy were to be able to put a stranglehold on me and, and take me and just, and, and me do something stupid, so ridiculously stupid and sinful, do you think that that wouldn't affect the entire, all the people that I know? And those who were weak and staggering along, the enemy would point at me and say, well, look, look at him. And I would be giving them an occasion to stumble, an occasion to fall. Because I have fallen, I have stumbled, I have been overtaken in a fault. And I'm going to tell you, we can all be overtaken in a fault. But we can all be restored, is the good news. If we'll just bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ then those thoughts won't be able to carry us into places and destroy us. But you, listen again, let me say it. The good fight of faith is the fight to keep your faith every moment in the power of God, which is what Christ did for you at Calvary. There you were justified. There you were offered life. There the devil was defeated. There the power for Jesus to be raised took place on the third day. Everything is about the death, the humble, obedient act unto death by God's only begotten Son. That's what gets us everything. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, then I can draw all men unto me. He didn't say if I be raised up from the dead. He said if I be raised up. And the Bible talk, it says that's talking about his, the way he would die. If he be raised up, if I be lifted up, then I'll draw all men unto me. That's powerful. So don't forget to... to Constantly pay attention uh, to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 24 through 26, because it tells us, those three verses tell us so many things. The devil has a will. He wants to get us in a place where uh, we're opposing ourselves, which is a place where our faith is no longer proper. We might say, I've got faith. I believe the Bible. What is it about the Bible are you believing? Do you know it won't do you a bit of good to say you believe the Bible's true? That won't do you a bit of good. That your confessions, the Bible's true. Until you start re receiving the, the illumination of the one who is the truth and what he did to become your truth, the Bible's not going to help anybody. You can't just say, well, I believe the, 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 the Bible's true. Okay. What's your faith in? Your faith has to be in the one who is the living word and what he provided at Calvary. And if that's not what our faith is in, our faith is not in the written word. Amen, Brother Curtis. And people who don't like that statement, I'll be, say it like my son Andrew does, Dad, they don't have a leg to stand on. Your faith cannot be in the written word of God if it's not in the living word of God and what he provided at Calvary. 
And I'll, I would get into that all over again about all God's words are in righteousness and righteousness is only revealed in the gospel and, and all that. But if you'll go back and listen to this teaching, my Romans teaching, which is all on the YouTube channel, Curtis Hutchinson 316, and follow along. Don't just pick and choose. Go back and start at the beginning and follow through. Let the Holy Spirit teach you God's word. By the way, He's the one that wrote it. He's the only one that can give the illumination of the Scriptures, make it literally the lamp to your feet and the light to your path. But that's only if you'll receive it in the way He's teaching it. And Jesus said when He comes, the Spirit of Truth, the Comforter, He's only going to talk about me. Talking about Himself, Jesus. He's not going to talk about all this other stuff. He's going to reveal me to you, the truth to you, and He's going to use the Word to do it. So our faith can't just be, our, our confession can't just be, well, I believe the Bible's true. That ain't going to get you in heaven. When your faith is in Jesus and what He did at Calvary, then the Holy Spirit can reveal the truth of who Jesus is and what He's provided for you in the Scriptures. Outside of that, He can't do it. And it's just you sharing Scripture with whoever and you're not going anywhere. Paul called it beating the air. You're really not running the race. You're just beating the air. And it's because we're caught up in a fault. The fault of having the wrong object of faith. It's a sin not to have your faith in the cross alone. It's a sin. Okay. So, never, never forget... The Spirit of God will never lead where the life of Christ cannot be experienced. If you're being led of the Spirit, you're experiencing the life of Christ. In the midst of your turmoil, in the midst of whatever's going on, if you're being led of the Spirit, that means you've allowed Him to point you to Calvary. You've accepted that, humbled yourself, accepted Jesus and His work at Calvary to be the only way of Christ that exists, and you've accepted that as a humble man or a woman, you've become subject to that and only then are you experiencing the life of Christ. And only as you experience the life of Christ can you express the life of Christ. And only as you exp are expressing the life of Christ can you even be walking in a way that restores those who've been overtaken in a fault. Now that, again... The church does not like to hear that because their faith is not in the cross alone that they've been overtaken in a fault. They have been overtaken. A true born-again Christian who's moved their faith from the sacrifice to anything else, even while saying, I believe that, but they no, either the cross is enough in the eyes of God it is, or it's not. And Jesus did declare, by the way, it is finished. Not you got to finish it when... No, it is finished. Yes. Amen. Amen. That's pretty powerful. Yes. Amen. Amen. Never forget the Spirit of God will never lead where the life of Christ cannot be experienced. Because he, the Spirit of God teaches and reveals Jesus, our truth that liberates us. Amen. Let's look at Romans 15, 1 and 2 because we're talking about helping others instead of just being self-centered and conceited and, and, and Christianity being all about us. You know, Romans 15, 1 and 2 says, We then that are strong. Oh boy. Oh boy, here it is. Oh, they think they're the only strong one. <laughs> Let me tell you this morning. I hope you have at least accepted the scriptures you've heard revealed this morning. 
who the the spiritual ones are, taught in chapter 5 of this same book we're studying, Galatians. So when we see here, we then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. Did you see that? For his good unto edification. We're to be concerned about our brothers. It is an act of God's love in and through you to help others. Now I know, I understand that a lot of times others who've been overtaken in a fault, they've been moved away from faith and the cross, uh, or they're struggling with their faith, whatever you want to call it. They don't like to be helped. There's rebellious children. Anybody ever had a child that rebelled? Yeah, because if, if they're breathing, we all rebelled at some time or another. And some folk just don't like help right now anyway. Some may never want help. That's the spirit of stupid. If I don't want help. If it's obvious after 10, 15 years of being overtaken in a fault, and I obviously I want out of it. If I don't, I'm more stupid than I think. I want out of it. If I'm a child of God and I've been overtaken in a fault, I want out of it. If I'm a true child of God and I've been overtaken in a fault, the deepest inside part of me, the heart of who I am, wants out of that. So it's just a spirit of big dumb. It's a spirit of big dumb to refuse help when it comes. And you listen, it's only the honest man that will admit I've got a problem, I need help. When help comes, I at least need to look at what's being offered. God, first time God ever helped you that you knew about it was when He saved you from your sins. And it was powerful enough to save you forever from your sins and to keep you walking in a place where you could always be restored from any sin that overtakes you. Amen. So, you know, we that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. Now know this... I can't come alongside of you. The Bible here just means I'm to enter into this place with you, into your burden in my limited way. I can't, come, I, I can't, I can't bear the infirmity of the weak in the same way you can. It's like if you've, if you've got a fault in your life, if you've got a sin in your life, I'm not told to come under that sin with you. I'm really told to to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. You know, when we're told to bear one another's burdens, that means that don't mean I'm to I'm to uh, fall uh, to to join you in a drink of whiskey. I'm I'm gonna feel this burden of what you're feeling. No, 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 no. I'm to come. Listen, I'm to bear the infirmity of the weak. The weak. I'm to, you know, I'm to try to understand where you are. I can never go where you are. You know, the Lord taught me that with Sister Pam's death a little over a year ago that 
during that time, and I even ministered a whole series on uh, suffering after that because the Lord was showing me many things in that. Someone laying there, let's say dying of some disease, cancer or whatever, we can go there, we can pray for them, we can love them, we can lay hands on them, and we can be so concerned that we're so burdened for them, we're broken down. But we can't go where they are because we're not there. They're in a place of suffering that I cannot go. Christ can be there with them, but I can't enter into that place where they are. I'm limited in what I can do, but I am told by God to be active and to do something. And here in Romans 15, 1 and 2, we see that. We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. And if we're pleasing ourselves, that means we're not pleasing God. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. That means I'm not to go to you when you've got something in your life, some infirmity, some fault you've been overtaken with. I'm not to go and condemn you. I'm to go, and the Bible calls it, and I didn't put this in my notes, but you'll recognize it when you hear it. I'm to provoke you unto love and good works. I'm to provoke you, I like tempt you, like encourage you, and if possible in the Spirit give you a little push in the right direction or point you in the right direction unto love and to good works, which can only take place if I'll come back to Calvary. Calvary forgives and delivers. Brother Larson has taught it for years in a powerful and in a gifted way of the Holy Spirit through him that we've not only been forgiven of our sins at, through faith in the cross, but through faith in the cross we can watch the power of sin broken in our lives. The very dominion of sin, that, that which brings us into a, a, a fault. We can watch that thing broken off of us and, our, and ourselves no longer opposing ourselves. So, uh, in, in the second chapter of Galatians chapter 6, he tells us this, Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. That's powerful, isn't it? We are, we are to bear one another's burdens. And let me read my notes. Walking in the Spirit is the only opportunity of bearing someone else's burden as this is the fulfillment of the law. Instead of biting and devouring one another, we can actually love them as we point them back to the victorious path where sin is defeated and the place it cannot have dominion over us. That is how we bear one another's burdens. We're not afraid to go to them. We're not afraid to... We're, we're more concerned about their being delivered and restored than we are what they'll think about us. The church has got a big problem with that. Well, I'm just not going to say anything to them. I'm just going to let them alone. And you know, No, if we're going to bear somebody's burdens, that means we're going to have to let them know they've got a burden. And if they get mad about it, they can... Tell us to get out of there, and that's, that's their choice. Or if they really want help, we can offer them the only help, and let me say that again, the only help God will provide is for them to hear the truth. Remember 2 Timothy 2, 24-26. We point them to the truth. God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, and they can be restored, delivered from opposing themselves, which is really the will of the devil. That's powerful. But all we can do as 
the strong, all we can do as the spiritual ones we've seen in the scriptures this morning is to point people back to the path where they can be restored. That path of righteousness. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness. So when you rightly divide the scriptures, you're seeing that being led by the Spirit is being led in the path of righteousness. And we're only led by the Spirit as our faith comes from hearing the Word in its righteous context. And when we think about the righteous path He leads in, know this, the word path and the word way are the same thing. Who is my way? Jesus. Who is my path? Jesus. We need to get it out of our minds that the Holy Spirit leads me in the path of righteousness. Oh, it's a, it's a pretty little place all flowered up with bushes and I'll just go out in my backyard and plant me a place and call it my prayer walk. And There's nothing wrong with doing that and getting out there alone and praying with God. But when you think about your path of righteousness, you need to think about the one who said, I am the path and the truth and the life. Jesus and His path is the way of God's Word in the light of the living Word that came from heaven, the one who said, I am the light of the world, only in that context of what He did at Calvary that turns the light on and allows your God's Word to really illuminate the path for you to walk in. He restores my soul. How? He leads me in the path of His righteousness. We're talking about the Lord is my shepherd. He restores my soul. That ain't, listen, forget it church. That ain't talking about just your initial entrance into the kingdom and He restored your soul from being lost. We daily need restoration. I can be caught up in a fault today and I need a brother or sister to come along beside me and to present to me the path of deliverance which is the path of righteousness. Glory to God. And if I'll accept the, the truth, again, I, I, listen, I can't even repent before God unless I acknowledge the truth. Repentance is not I'm sorry. Repentance is I'm sorry and thank you for bringing me back to the truth. Because repentance is not only forgiveness, it's, it produces, uh, it allows us to be forgiven, but it brings forth deliverance. You've heard me teach it through the years. Uh, I think it's Proverbs 28:13 that says, "He that covers his sin shall not prosper." You can't prosper if you're trying to cover your sin with good deeds, with going to church. Uh, uh, you've heard it said before that you can go the church is the best hiding place for your sin. Going, you got a good look going now. I'm in church. But Proverbs 28, 13, this has always been a powerful scripture to me. He that covers his sin shall not prosper. But he that confesses and forsakes his sin shall have the mercy of God. Now, notice first of all how God relates prospering and mercy as being the same thing. The mercy of God is your prosperity. The experience is being forgiven and forsaking sin. Forgiven of sin and forsaking sin. Anybody can confess their sins. But who is it that finds the place of being restored from a sinful fault? Who is it that finds the place of experience of forsaking sin? Thumping that last Throw in that last. 
I'm talking about coming out from that, that fault that's had you bound. That sin that's overtaken you. Anybody can confess their sins and I did it for years and years. God forgive me, this ain't right. God forgive me, this ain't right. God forgive me, this ain't right. The message of rebuke. The message of the gospel. Well, I don't need that. I'm already saved. No, it's the truth that saved initially and keeps on saving daily. Hallelujah. It's the truth that restores me from what has overtaken me back to a place where I can walk again in the light of being used by God now to help those others who are overtaken in a fault. Anybody can confess their sins and most of the church is doing it every day, every night, never finding the power to forsake their sins. Forsaking sin, my friend, is a reality when your faith is in the sacrifice. Not your experience, not your situation. Oh, how am I going to make it out of this? Comments like that are made when people aren't looking to the Calvary. When they look to Calvary, you will never ever make that comment. How am I going to get out of this? You look to Calvary, you've seen your way out of it. Amen. Now I'm about to teach and preach myself happy today. I want to encourage you to share these broadcasts with people. Don't worry about what they'll think about my accent or my old country boy look or whatever. You share this delivering power of God teaching and preaching with the world out there. Share it everywhere you can hit the share button, everywhere you can post it. Send it to every contact you've got on social media. Listen, don't let it matter to you if it's not your preacher, if it's not coming out of your your building. Share this life-changing teaching with others. You're to be concerned for others. Mm, It's been a good today. Bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. We're not fulfilling the law of Christ if we don't have a concern for others that goes more than prayer for them. God will put people in our path. They're in our family. Maybe they work with us. Maybe we'll just run into them by the pork and beans in Walmart. It don't matter. But there are going to be people in our lives, there are right now, that have been overtaken in faults. They need help. And you've been told to bear that burden with them because when you're doing it, you're proving you love them. But now let me say something about this. Got two or three minutes left. Love, you, you, you listen, you can have the same kind of love the world has or you can love them in the way God loves them with the truth in which God loves you through. God so loved the world He gave His only begotten Son. God didn't love you through any other avenue. So when we present people the answer for their restoration, their deliverance, their, 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 their miracle of whatever it they need to come back to a place of being restored, it's only that one avenue that God's offering you to think. Not all sorts of other things. You can buy them lunch, you can bring them in, keep them in your house. All those things are good things, but they don't produce forgiveness. They don't produce restoration. They don't produce healing. Only the gospel has the power. That's it. So when we bear one another's burdens and fulfill the law of Christ, in another place the Bible says it's when we love each other. Verse 14 of chapter 5, For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. See, you're loving folk when you love them enough, when you care about them enough, to want to see them delivered. 
Yes, we pray for them. I'm not throwing prayer out. We always pray all the time to the point that pretty much prayer is really a part of who we are. Because there's so many burdens and so many people been overtaken today and so many faults, our prayer never ends. It's constant all the time. And sometimes the devil will tell you, well, you've prayed enough. Ain't you tired of praying? Well, my burden for them won't allow me to quit. Amen. Well, believe it or not, we're out of time. Time flies when you're having a good time. And when you're in the presence of the Lord. And I want to encourage you again, don't just like this on Facebook. Hit the share button. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. I don't care if I'm not your preacher. I'm your teacher today. And deeper than that, the Lord is blessing you through this ministry. So don't just pray for us. Thank God for your prayers. Go to the website, The Crossway Church. Sow into this ministry financially. Pray for us. Live anywhere in this area. And you're, and you're not in a church or you're not in a church preaching and focused on the gospel I'm encouraging you, get up, get out, and get planted where God can teach you, God can use you, and and, and you will grow. And it may not be this church, Crossway Church, but get in one that's focus is the cross of Christ. We love you, God bless you, and until next week, stay determined to know nothing but Christ and Him crucified.